Hello, you're listening to the Mag Culture podcast recorded right here in the Mag Culture shop, Clerkenwell, London. I'm Jeremy Leslie. And I'm Liv Siddall. Welcome to the third episode of the Mag Culture podcast. I'm Jeremy Leslie and I'm here as ever with Liv. Welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Very well. Busy, Good. busy month. Yes. <laughs> yes, very busy, thank you. How about yourself? Uh oh frantic. So we're busy planning things. Yes, planning mod mag probably. Mod mag mainly. Mod mag mainly. It's all very exciting. You've been stressed out. Um not stressed out. It's 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 well it does kind of get easier, but it's never simple. Yeah. We know what we have to do and we're working through it. In fact, just now just I've just come out of the final meeting with the last speaker because I sit down with all the speakers and brief them all and I've just had a chat with the final speaker and it's everything's in place. Excellent. Well done. At least you're not getting complacent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <it's, laughs> yeah, famous last words. Everything's ready. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just um we just sat in the mad culture shop on an autumnal morning and we saw this sweet street street sweeper uh, going past just sweeping up all the autumn leaves with a really sturdy looking brush and you, we thought how how lovely that looked and well you especially thought how lovely that looked. yeah say we, it was just me <laughs> no it just looked so happy he had his he had his headphones in he was sweeping up these leaves He's the probably, leaves were falling do you think around he was listening him. to episode two of the podcast probably, probably yeah. yeah wouldn't put it past him but um i wanted to ask you off the back of seeing this happy man sweeping up his leaves if you could be doing someone else's job for the rest of the day what would you choose to do today well, one of the things I did at the weekend was go to see a football match and uh, it was a, a very exciting football match. There were lots of goodness to it, but there's there's clearly a, a, a huge gap in the team that I support. So I would be number nine for Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon you'd be doing then? Would you just be exercising, say, practising? You'd well, be like running I, around some beanbags? I'd just be better than the current one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, I okay. know. But it, yeah, I mean, that's... that's. I think it's a good well, choice. Well, once upon a time, I wanted to open a shop, but then I did it. <laughs> May as well just die then, you've done yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're going to um, start today by talking about the Stack Magazine Awards, because yep. that's coming up soon, and... Jeremy, you've been judging. The, 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 yeah, the entries are all in. A couple of weeks' time, um, I will be going along to the Stack HQ on the, on the, on the, on the river to... Um, to liaise with my fellow judge Gail Bishler from um, the New York Times magazine and we have to decide what is going to be the magazine of the year. Um, How does that process work then? So Gail comes over from the US and you sit down with the magazines together and go through it or I kind of assumed it was more of sort of like well, an email back and forth decision. Well of course it, I'd like to think that I was being flown business <laughs> class uh, to New York for a high powered um, uh, meeting about it all but uh, the reality is we do it on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is lovely nice, it's still though, lovely yeah. it's, it's yeah. better than email uh, so so we skype and so we're, i've got the pile of magazines here how many times have you and gail been judging the magazine of the year award for Stack? um I, you know i don't know how many times it's been but it's every time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three and or four times do you ever um quibble over well not yet oh not yet it's always okay. been remarkably smooth it's always been um you sort of go you obviously I look through all the magazines and I sort of have a sense of, of, of what I think. And then to date, it's been quite smooth. It's been very easy. Sometimes it's a bit... So, I mean, what normally happens is we narrow it down to two or three and then it's just a discussion and, yeah. and uh, why this or why that. And, of course, Gail has, has um, a great point of view coming from a very different angle in lots of ways and we, it works out very easily. 
I have to say I'm slightly unsure this year. I'm, I'm less certain this year from, from although I haven't spent much time with all the magazines. I, I know I know what's there, and I, and it's not. It's maybe a little less obvious this year. I don't know. We we'll have to have cool. a cl- good look, but it's going to be interesting. Okay, it's, so maybe it's always I'll, enjoyable. Yeah, hopefully it won't be too much of a heated Skype conversation about uh, which one will actually take the prize. So which? So can you just run through the the shortlist without going into detail on them, but just so you know what's just so everyone out there knows. Uh, oh, I can award. do. So I've got them all here. So we got the. So the, it's a big award to win. It is. It is. Yeah. I'm out, you know, the pre- previous winners um, have included MacGuffin, the Gourmand, Buffalo Zine. Uh, we've got here to, uh, this uh, just randomly going through the pile. This, they've kind of been stacked up in in um, in size, so they're going to get bigger as I work through the line. So we've got Racket, Anxi, Weapons of Reason, Profane, Monoculture, Put an Egg on It, A Dance Mag. You love that one. I do enjoy that one. Uh, Badland, uh, the Lady Beard, the one with the anus, the one with the bumhole, yeah. <laughs> uh, Suspira, Migrant, Tank, Beauty Papers, Flaneur, and Good Trouble. Excellent. Obviously, there's lots of magazines that uh, listeners might be thinking that ought to be there but aren't there, but we have to assume they just weren't entered. Yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? Only yeah. magazines who enter actually Absolutely, get shortlisted. Yes, yeah. yeah. So well done, everyone, for entering. And yeah. if you haven't entered, bad luck, maybe next year. Impressive list, though. Impressive list. Exactly. Um, so to move seamlessly onto our next theme, uh, the winners of last year's award, which when you gave them this prize, was Buffalo Zine. Mm-hmm. I think very well deserved. So when Adrian and David from Buffalo Zine stood up at um, uh, the Stack Awards last year, it was quite exciting because they're quite mysterious. They like they, to, they don't come and talk at all the conferences. They don't do big interviews. They mm-hmm. don't. I mean, they've had a few, but um, it's quite exciting to see them. Yes. And I wanted to know why you and Gail picked Buffalo Zine last year, and then we can go on to talk about their brand new issue. They've used many formats for their magazines. They always they always mimic or parody a certain a, a certain type of thing. But there was one issue that had come out the year before last, which it was won the award. Was this large format? one which wasn't so much i mean normally they, they produce a victorian children's novel or a fanzine or a newspaper or some sort or of a holiday catalog or, or yeah something. they they, they yeah. play around they 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 parody these formats it's, it's a fashion magazine but they they put the content within these formats uh, but this particular issue it was more of a standalone object it was a very large format which is quite rare these days very photographic they based it on the road where their studio is uh, up in hackney oh. and they, they 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 had a lot of kind of history of of the space that they they occupy now what it had been and they just took the piss out of themselves and everybody it was just it was just a joy it was just um i think fashion sometimes so serious and so yeah. pompous and they just they just burst that so perfectly and it's so easy to do isn't it but they do it so well even was that the the magazine that had i think it was lennon gallagher wearing a blur t-shirt on the yes. front of the issue well they had so they great. had a whole whole bunch of covers and one of them i mean they had pamela anderson in the issue yeah and they, they had um photographs from um by david bailey from the 60s of the cray twins the, the cray brothers yeah and um they, so it really i mean the the uh, on, on the one hand they're just having great fun and they're very humorous and, and they 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 prick the pompousness of the whole fashion thing but at the same time they have access to the to the right yeah, they have all the stylists all the photographers so, <laughs> so they kind of really are you know having it both ways and that's very much prevalent in their new issue which yes. is called um fashion's kitchen and it is 
uh, a hardback magazine and it's got a beautiful goat on the front cover <laughs> and basically the entire issue is is all the kind of the world's biggest fashion names discussing food uh mainly it's them sort of is people submitting recipes which it's is a cookbook it's a cookbook it's a yeah. recipe book yeah with a few kind of fashiony visual features mm. chucked in but the vibe of the photography is very 70s dinner mm -hmm. party uh, that kind of soft lit delia very early delia uh luke's with lots of ashtrays with fags and like decadent jewelry it's just that kind yeah. of like and there's a lot of spillage going on there's red wine on the on, on the on the lace tablecloth <laughs> yeah, <and> <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway they've asked loads of different contributors to write in with recipes so you've uh -huh. got charlie porter's seasonal quinoa with smoked mackerel got Cher's boyfriend approved macaroni salad just share um i mean everyone really christine Boutin, debbie harry's nutty shrimp uh who else have we got um, well, there's uh, yeah from um, Fantastic Man has got slightly strange sounding ginger and cheese cubes. Yeah, not really a recipe. Cheddar, just... cheddar and ginger. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, so weird. It must be nice have though. To try you, it. Have yeah, to try it. Christian Stewart's soup. Um, it's just great. It's a fantastic mix of um, people's recipes. One by Kendall Jenner, which I'm not that into. You would have thought she'd do something more luxurious, but it's just pasta with minced garlic and peas mixed in. <laughs> kind of gross. So it's, it's a mixed bag, and then there's. Um, uh, Maurizio Catalan from um, Toilet Paper has come up with a casserole to cook your cat. Oh, yeah, that's quite which a Which is kind one. of typical. And then you've got the other end of the scale, which is Paul Smith, who's yeah. just chosen classic beans on toast. Right on brand. But in terms of a magazine I want to read, this is giving me something that I want to completely... I mean, just I want to read every single page. And I mm -hmm. love the photography. I love it. It's just so simple. And... I think you're right. It's it's made all the better by their their little black book of contacts. Mm -hmm. If this was just random people, like give yeah, shit. But yeah. the fact that you're reading, you, I'm now I'm now picturing Kendall Jenner in her <laughs> furnitureless mansion, eating <laughs> eating shit fusilli with peas in, in it in the microwave. In the microwave. <laughs> so yeah, it's great. It's yeah. a fantastic issue, and it's like basically the ideal probably gift for anyone and, you know who. And, and they do always food. follow through. And the, the, the thing to highlight here is that there are endless recipes and they are proper recipes i mean they're not no everybody's that they've obviously kind of gone through a lot of effort to research all this but they've come up with the goods they're not throwaway you know they're all genuine things from these people so it's it's real there's, yeah. there's something there for everyone it's perfect so well done buffalo zine once more mm -hmm. um now we're going to once again seamlessly flow on to a new topic of conversation which is Jeremy, every time we do a podcast, sends me a list of ideas of what he wants to talk about. And after, um, you know, five or six ideas in the last email he sent me, there was one that was like number four, snacks at the Guardian. Jeremy, can you tell us about the snacks on offer uh, when you visited the Guardian last week? Well, um, one of the pieces we po um, I, I wrote for the uh, for the journal this um, this month um, was a review of the new Guardian Weekly, which is a a fine magazine. Um, We'll come to that in a minute, but <laughs> but um, in order to find out about it, I was very keen to find out about it, and I got invited to the Guardian along with several other people to meet the team. So I met um, uh, Will Dean, the editor, and Chris Clark, the art director, and some other key contributors uh, over what I thought would be kind of an afternoon cup of tea or something. And they they showed us it was a very interesting uh, insight into the process behind the magazine and everything but and, and and obviously i was very struck by the magazine but i was equally struck <laughs> <laughs> by by the, the range of snacks on offer give me a blow a very, by very, blow so 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 we had a, we had a table in front of us and there was um there were sandwiches what kind 
Uh, oh, I can't remember now. I'm looking for detail. And what kind of well, bread? Uh, sandwiches. Well, brown, white. No, no, these are fresh-made sandwiches. Oh my not from, not from. Probably, maybe I didn't. I didn't find out. I asked them a lot of questions, but we didn't really <laughs> talk about the catering. <laughs> but there was. Fresh, you just chose to talk about it in a large segment fruit. of your podcast instead. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's one of those things you like to just kind of make assumptions of. So, <laughs> so yeah, sandwiches, fr- fresh, amazing-looking fresh fruit, um, crisps. But yeah. luckily, I, I was sat in front of the crisps, so I concentrated on some very nice little kind of poppadom type things. Excellent. But, wow. I was, uh, but, it, but it struck me at the time. <laughs> the highlight of my month. It sounds a bit like food you'd get awake, but if you liked it. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, maybe I haven't, I haven't expressed the freshness of it. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to find out more about the snacks Jeremy was offered at The Guardian, just pop into the Mad Culture shop and... Um, and I'm sure he'll go into more detail about what was actually in the sandwiches, which he failed to do on this podcast. But uh, alongside, <laughs> as well as the food, though, there was the magazine, The Guardian Weekly. So for those that don't know, The Guardian Weekly has been published for 100 years, uh, weekly, <laughs> obviously, but internationally, it's been a, it's been for the gl- a global audience, which The Guardian has, has, has always sought. And uh, of course, now with the presence of the internet, they now have a huge global audience and they have been publishing, they have, they have the dedicated websites for um, uh, Australia and the US, uh, upon which they, they're seeking to, to build the, the audience for their print magazine, the weekly print magazine. So they've relaunched, redesigned, remade this magazine. Um, and it's a very powerful, interesting project. It's um, really well made. It takes all the best content from both online and in print from the Guardian and repurposes it into a beautiful magazine format. Uh, it, it's intended to sit next to Bloomberg Business Week, The Economist, The New Yorker, all the weeklies, which are one of those areas of magazines that are doing really well, that are selling well. Yeah. Um, not least because of all the dreadful news we have to face up to. So the people <laughs> yeah. want explanation. Fun. Yeah, uh, it's true. But this is designed in such a way that you can just flick through it and consume it. Consume, consume information very quickly yes. because of the design and, yeah. the, and the layout. And also it's got an intensity to it. I mean, partly with, with images like you get mm. on the cover of, of Covana. And it's kind of rather than, I say maybe other parts of The Guardian are designed with a kind of friendlier mm-hmm. um, tone. This is this is not, this is like, we're down to business. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is. Actually, that's a really Life good point, I think. It's, it's, um, it takes a lot of the language maybe from G2 and, and some of the softer parts of The Guardian and 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 toughens it up for, for, for hardline news. There's a lot of really um, detailed infographics and information and quotes and pullouts. Yeah, there's um, no one smiling in the pictures. Well, that's because they're evil people. But there, there's a lot of bad people in here. There's a lot yes, of bad people yeah. in there. But there are some good people. So if you're into bad news but great design, pick up a copy of Guardian <laughs> Weekly because um, <laughs> it's a real treat. There's always good news. Let me, let me find you some good news in there. All right. Remember, so can we have some like countdown music while you flick through and try and find some good news in the Guardian? Ooh, maybe there isn't. Oh, no, of course there is. There, there we go. Nigella Lawson eating food. Food. <laughs> the theme of the podcast. I suppose that's good news. <laughs> Nigella Norton is always good news, what am I talking about? Um, okay, so I think we're going to stop there. And maybe if you could join us after the break, you can hear um, hear us chat about the BSME most influential magazines and which magazines change our lives. Uh, a little bit more about ModMag, obviously. And we're going to talk about a brand new book all about the loudest punk fanzine in the UK called Ripped and Torn. And we'll probably mention some of the new magazines as well. Why not? Highly regarded London printers Park Communications are a key part of the indie publishing scene. 
taking indie mags from desktop promise to printed reality. Over the past year, they've produced over 90 magazines with a huge variety of print runs. Park offer a wide range of services to make your magazine stand out in a shop like MagCulture. Check out the latest issue of Dirty Furniture to see how Park can customize your front cover with gloss and matte finishes. Just like MagCulture, Park love magazines, and we're proud to have them sponsor this podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Mag Culture Podcast. I'm Liv Siddle and I'm here with Jeremy Leslie. Hiya. Jeremy, do you want to chat a bit about, I keep calling it BSE or BDSM, but actually it's BSME. BSME, uh, the British Society of Magazine Editors. Yes, yep. and they had a most influential magazines evening. Is that right? Yes, yes. So, um, the, the, the premise behind this is is to look at, uh, get, get various um, members, editors to, together to aid uh, on a panel kind of discuss the magazines that influence them and encourage them to to be doing what they do mm-hmm. uh, but also encourage membership to to apply that thought it's it's not it's not an uncommon question to ask people no um but it was an interesting idea um and i wonder what which which magazine turned you onto the the format uh there was uh, what when i was at an impressionable age uh, the, at, at your most impressionable i think it, well i I had I used to buy the enemy just to get the pictures of Pete Doherty that I would cut out and mm-hmm. stick on my wall. So I wasn't really in it for the news. I was just there for the the sexy yeah. men, sexy indie men. Quite impressionable of the early noughties. John was probably in that magazine. Oh, I'll cut that a bit out. But I don't know who John is. And what else? When I was li- when I was growing up, I was I lived in a, in a village, and um, there weren't there wasn't a sh- well we could get magazines in the shop. But my sister would often bring back magazines. And I would then start buying the ones that she brought back. She, I mean, just quite simply, like her Vogues and stuff. And ID, um, Dazed, I would buy. Pop, I would buy. This is only when I would go to London. I would kind mm-hmm. of bring some, some some back home and I would sit in front of the, the telly and kind of cut them up or, or just sort of consume them. Um, but actually, I went through a big stage when I was about 12 of my brother, I think, was probably about... 18 then and he used to buy lads mags like maxim mm-hmm. loaded fhm and i loved them mm-hmm. and actually now i look back i want to say that the face was the biggest influence on me but actually i really liked the tone mm-hmm. of the lads mags and i know they're very you know frowned upon now for being a certain way and i don't i i, I actually looked back i went to vin mag a big magazine archive last week and I was looking through some old lad mags and, and I was like completely horrified at what I was reading. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really enjoy the idea of me as an 11 year old girl reading uh-huh. them either, but the humor in them mm-hmm. and the captions and the audience writing in and all the funny articles, like comparing like different types of chips or just like stupid stuff or like fart jokes. I love. Well, yeah. And but, I like there, there was always a, of course, a, a, a huge uh, element of sexism and w- yeah. dealing with women in the, in, in the wrong way and that and in in the end that's what sort of brought brought around the demise but at the very beginning loaded especially had a really fantastic sense of humor to its caption writing yeah and its general approach james brown as editor was doing it something that hadn't brown, been seen yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and they had the guys from modern toss yeah, involved yeah. and it was just it was kind of like the, it was a boys club mentality but i, I used to find that very funny because i used to read viz and watch monty mm-hmm. python i think my because i used to always get stuff off my brother a lot of the stuff I was consuming at that age was, it did mm-hmm. tend to be um, sort of 
shit boy stuff yeah. that probably didn't really have a great effect on me. But maybe I, I, I would like to see more of that kind of irreverence. I always mm-hmm. go on about that, but I think there's definitely a lot of irreverence missing from magazines today. But I understand why that's also stopped because but that's part of what we love about buffalo zine isn't it yeah exactly does have that irreverence that's why everyone does enjoy it Mm -hmm. um there's not enough of it but then if you're going to spend eleven thousand pounds to make a copy of a magazine why would you risk making it silly i mean you you probably should just make it serious because you know there's there's no um it's safer to to do something beautiful than it is to do something that only some people might get the joke of Mm -hmm. um so maybe that's why anyway what was your most influential magazine when you were Uh, well the one that really clicked with me was was enemy again and yeah. um and later not on, for the pete doherty topless photos though i imagine well i i'm not sure pete doherty was featuring in <laughs> enemy when i was reading it he was but a glimmer in his wasn't father's even eye born. <laughs> <laughs> um but no i mean but but then it i mean it, it was more than just finding out um uh what was on in you know finding what bands were playing and stuff it was the only place there was it wasn't even a case there was no internet there was no coverage of that area of activity in the mainstream Mm. press or or tv or anything now in the in the broader media we're just used to seeing the latest news about pop star x or pop star y or youth culture as part of our everyday experience of everything but back then it was very compartmentalized an enemy was your way through to it and that was the era when nick logan was editing it and he went on to create the face and i remember that happening but i don't want to go on about that because we had a, we were talking about if you want to hear more about the face you can listen to our last episode <laughs> but um but an enemy was mine for sure for sure i think there is something to be said for that kind of uh, and that's what that's what always gets brought up in in books or in panel discussions or in podcasts about these old magazines is that it was the only way people could get information mm-hmm. um and i can see why that would have been I mean, you, you can't really get your head around it now so i was looking at i mean the thing we're talking about next the book um the ripped mm-hmm. and torn book which is a the complete collection of all the ripped and torn punk scenes from the 70s And, and it is literally page by page, isn't it? Yeah, all and, it, 18 and, and, issues. It's, and it's reviewing singles that yeah. you, without buying the zine, you might not know existed. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the only way you could go and yeah. know where to buy them mm-hmm. and know what you wanted to buy. I mean, that's just mad. And, um, it, and it was published for, in Glasgow. Yeah, so um, yeah, to, to move seamlessly on to the next chapter of our podcast... Um, I'm going to want to talk about the new, yes, yeah, so it's a new book called Ripped and Torn, which is published by Ecstatic Peace Library, which is Thurston Moore and Ever Prince's um, publishing arm, I suppose you could say. And it's a fantastic book of Tony Drayton's, the entire collection of Tony Drayton's Ripped and Torn zines. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, oh my God, it's so good. So he started it in Glasgow in 1976, um, and yeah, just outside Glasgow. And the final issue was published in March 1979 from, he says in the intro, a pub I squatted in in West London. Uh, so just a little bit, little bit here from the intro. It says, Ripped and Torn became legend. Original copies selling for eye-watering amounts of money. Now for the first time we are presenting a facsimile of every page of Ripped and Torn, issues 1 through 17, a unique and long-desired slice of history. So I had a look at this over the weekend. And it's one of those punk zines where... I mean, it's you can't get more typical of a punk scene yeah. than, than this so looks. But it's, it's, it's typewriters. Tech, it's and, typewriter yeah. heavy. Yeah, and the writing is so good. A lot of it is just by Tony, written on his lunch break in pen mm-hmm. and then scanned in, not scanned, photocopied. Um, and it's just got great reviews and there's amazing interviews with people like David Bowie. There's just there's really funny poems in there. It's just people taking the piss. There's really passionate pieces of writing about um, how he's feeling about about certain stuff. But it's just there's I mean there's there's doodles. There's cut yeah. out pictures. I'm not sure 
Yeah, but, it's uh, just... My impression of, I mean, it's, it's interesting looking back at that because that was, I mean, this is the era I was really enemy and the sniffing glue was the one down in London. They all caused me to, to I mean, I, I, my first magazine was a little music fanzine. Nothing as, as influential, as important as this one. But looking at it now, it absolutely rings, I mean, it takes me right back to that time. But it also, in, the, in today's context, it makes me think, well, this is a blog. Yeah, essentially, it's, it's a blog. It's so personal. Because also the way he writes, even like the singles reviews, um, there's one here, this is, I don't know which issue this is from. He just writes at the top, same as last month, I'm only really reviewing the good singles I got this month. There wasn't as many this time. I'd only buy the first three if I saw all of them in the shop and I was buying singles. First off, it's a big surprise to me, blah, blah, blah. He kind of writes in the first person throughout the whole thing. And then he'll write something like, got to go, I'm at work, speak mm-hmm. later. A bit like he's <laughs> writing a diary. But yeah, as you say, mm. it's it, it's a blog. It's a very in-depth, very funny blog. So there's these letters pages and I and I, and I was reading them thinking they were real. And I, th- I, I think some of them are, but um, there's a kind of running theme in Ripped and Torn where Tony Drayton, the founder, kind of keeps slagging off the enemy, which is fair enough because I think at the time there was a lot of people who really thought it was absolute shit. Maybe it was. But there are letters in the letters section from Tony Parsons from NME, and I don't know whether they're real or not, but one of the letters says, Dear Ripped and Tired, you are full of shit. I wouldn't wipe my ass on your sycophantic poxy articles. The day you write something as one thousandth as original as my piece on Springsteen, you'll be almost fit to call yourself a writer. <laughs> from Tony Parsons, NME. And then in the next issue, um, another one from Tony Parsons. Tony Oldson, he's writing to Tony Drayton, who founded the magazine. Why don't you come up to the enemy and laugh on our faces? Why don't you come up and make the snide, pathetic insults to our faces? Then me and you can go out the back and you can keep laughing out there. This is an open invitation, okay? Come up here whenever you're ready. I'm waiting for you from Tony Parsons, you enemy. Go. Okay, so it's not a blog, it's Twitter. It's just, yeah, <laughs> but it's just like this hilarious, you just don't really find that stuff anymore. It's a really nice um, Q&A with Thurston Moore and Tony in the back of the book about him making the magazine and the importance of punk scenes back then. And there's a really great forward by Tony himself. It's, this is just like, if you've got any interest in zines or the importance of, of small music publishing in the kind of late 70s, this is just your absolute guide to that. You don't get much better than Ripped and Torn in terms of punk zines, I don't think. Well, maybe Sniffing Glue, but... Didn't last as long. No. Um, so that's that bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't got a seamless link to this one. Okay, so we haven't got a seamless link, but now we're going to talk about just... We're going to look at some magazines. Just some magazines that are brand new and exciting. Uh, you can do it, Jamie. You're the expert here. I just come in once a month and do this podcast. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, we, we already mentioned the Guardian Weekly. Uh, the German newspaper Zeit comes out once a week, but uh, and it has a lovely magazine with it. And frustratingly for so long it was only in German but they now produce a biennial edition which features the best of it and this are the the Berlin State of Mind Zeit magazine the international issue is out now another great issue thick and flickable so a couple of things I'd highlight in the issue one is uh, an interview uh, with um, David Attenborough alongside a portrait by Jürgen Teller and I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that shoot those two yeah. people together um, and then also every issue they have this great column at the front which um is the um, it spins on their own title, the Berlin State of Mind, and it's the Merkel State of Mind, and it's the sort of uh, German insight into what's happening with uh, the German um, Prime Minister uh, Angela Merkel. Uh, 
and it's quite complicated, quite very, very detailed and stuff. What's fascinating, I think, from a British point of view, is that it goes into all the local politics and all, all the important things that are happening. It doesn't mention Brexit once because it's oh, just lovely. not. It's just well, it's, it's refreshing, but it's also just not obviously relevant <laughs> to them, to their. Excellent. Actually, yeah, that is that's the one magazine that I I I genuinely buy every copy of. When it and that's and that's the fifth anniversary issue. Excellent. Um, what else we got? Galdem. Got Galdem. Um, is this their first publication? No, no. This is, I think, their third one. They do it every year. They produce an issue. Uh, Charlie was in the shop recently, um, checking out that we had the issues and everything. This where, looks where, one of the editors. Always, always good to have that. They straight cool. off, straight off the back of, the, of of their collaboration with the Guardian. Yeah, that was amazing. Very popular magazine. Lovely to have it here. Yeah, they've got a massive amount of fans. This is the Secrets issue, which looks fantastic. The writing's always great, and the photography in this one looks absolutely excellent. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely pick that one. What else have we got? And then um, the relaunch of a magazine. So Tribune, until relatively recently, um, was just a kind of a fortnightly newspaper from publishing and from, from a very left-wing point of view. It closed early this year. Uh, it was bought up by the pub American publisher of Jacobin, the left wing quarterly, and it's now back, uh, I think, as a bi monthly. But Tribune now comes, it's a gorgeous looking magazine. For some time now, I've thought there's definitely space for more politics in independent publishing. There's great to have lifestyle and all the various subjects and the great you know it's good but it, right now we need as much information and news and yeah true different views as possible but do you reckon that's because uh making an independent magazine takes such a long time that politics are shifting faster than you can make yeah well obviously the the vast majority of um, political discourse is is much faster and happens and that's where you know social media is, is is the home for that but i think you know good writing I mean, the cover here features the illustrations of George Orwell, Barbara Castle, Michael Foote, sort of heroes of the left uh, in, in Britain. Um, and it promises Dawn Foster on Food Bank Britain and Owen Jones on Clause 4. And it, I think it's great to have a really chunky, serious magazine coming from a socialist point of view. Yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah. It looks very appealing to read. I remember interviewing uh, Bhaskar Sankara, who's the founder of Jacobin and, and the publisher of this magazine now, uh, about Jacobin. And I talked, was talking to him. I asked him about wh whether there was a kind of tradition of left-wing design that he was trying to tap into. And he just made a very simple point, and that was that just because something's um, coming from the left doesn't mean to say it shouldn't be and couldn't be good-looking and well-made. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> so anyway, Tribune, which was a was a was a basic old newspaper, is back as a as a well put together magazine. Excellent. Right, yeah. I think we should wrap this podcast yes. up now. Is there we, anything else you want to add about Mod Mag, Jeremy? Always, always wanted to talk about Mod Mag. So we're, so we're just uh, we're a week away now. Um, final plans falling into place. All the speakers are sorted. We're, we're just about to send the. Um, the publication, a little magazine we've done for the day for our attendees. That's about to go to press. Mm -hmm. um, designing some T-shirts for the staff on the day and awaiting the last minute panic. <laughs> but it all takes place next week on the 1st of November at Conway Hall here in London. So great. come along. It's going to be great. You're going to be there. I will we're, be there. We will be there. We, 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 we can reprise our podcast live on stage. <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to love that. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Yes, thank you. See you next time. You've been listening to the Mag Culture Podcast. Please show your support and subscribe to our show on iTunes.